Let's go ahead and find a seat and we'll get started here. I don't want to assume that this is true for every person in this room, um, but when I think about my mom, I think about love. I think about, uh, and, and not just um, love in its generic sense, but uh, I think about comfort. I have pictures in my mind, and not just pictures, but I have, you know, that experience where when you think about something, it does, it does something to all of your senses, you know, so I have a feeling, uh, uh, a visual image, I can almost even smell my mother's scent, uh, as I think about being a child and being scared or being, uh, down or discouraged, and my mom holding me, uh, comforting me with her tender words, and as was my mom's little special attention uh, thing, she would she would uh, scratch my head. She just I'd lay my head against her chest, and she would scratch my head. And if I wasn't full, if I wasn't. Uh, completely full of comfort, and if she stopped, I would go, Mom, just a little bit more. The comfort of love. We're starting a new series this morning called For Real, and we're going to be talking about what it looks like to have real relationships. What, is, what does the Scripture communicate in, re, in regards to what it looks like to really have relationship the way that he's designed it. And we know, if we know the Word of God, know Scripture, that throughout the story of God, from Genesis to Revelation, in every letter and book in between, there is a thread woven throughout the story. Not only of the the spoken Word, but the story of mankind that originates from God, and it originates from one who the Scripture says is love. And that love, that relationship of uh, that, that, that aspect of who God is, the nature of who God is, has been poured out into our life, and as a result, it infiltrates and flows to the lives of others around us. When I was praying this morning, knowing about the series that we are going into, and specifically knowing that I'm going to be talking about this, this, this love that um, infuses and embodies what it looks like to relate well or really well to one another, I thought about starting with his comfort. So I just want to speak that. That's not the focus of my message this morning. But I felt like the Lord said, there are many in this room that when they, when they pull back or they recoil from the thought of love, it's because they don't understand the comfort that God truly brings when He loves us. Maybe it's because we've never been comforted in a way that we can even understand it, or it's been a long time since we've experienced 
that kind of love. But love is not just about comfort. Love is so many things. When we fail, when we fail someone with our actions, we hurt them, uh, maybe we've been disloyal. Uh, I remember being, uh, as I was thinking about this aspect of, 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 of love or the opposite of love, I remember thinking about a time when I was around a cafeteria table laughing and talking about one of my really good friends, getting caught up in the story of, 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 of making fun of him and then him walking up on the conversation and in mid-laughter looking at him in the face and feeling this sense of, man, I just betrayed one of my best friends. And that feeling of, ah, I wish I could take back the reaction or the response. I wish I could have been committed to being loyal to him and yet not long after that repenting to him and him forgiving me and experiencing this unconditional grace that I didn't deserve. I did not deserve in my mind to be forgiven because I was completely in the wrong. I was caught red-handed and yet the love he had for me went deeper than a moment's transgression. He forgave me. Love bears the mark of forgiveness. Maybe it's the times when we share, um, we share our fears. We are allowing somebody to experience what really is angering us. Uh, where uh, we feel like we are a failure and we let somebody into that place of insecurity. And we experience in the vulnerability of our sharing when we feel at our weakest, the person doesn't exit the conversation, but the person moves in and says, you know what, I'm with you. You're not scaring me away. Or they bring encouragement to the place of the lies that I'm believing in my life and they prove their faithfulness to me. They extend trust They create, in a sense, an environment of trust for me to be who I am. My strengths, but even more, to be able to be weak and vulnerable. That's love. Tim Keller, in his book, The Meaning of Marriage, Facing the Complexities of Commitment with the Wisdom of God, says this, to be loved but not known is comforting, but superficial. To be loved, but not known, is comforting, but it's superficial. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear. But to be fully known and truly loved is, well, it's a lot like being loved by God. It is what we need more than anything. It liberates us from pretense. It humbles us out of our self-righteousness and fortifies us for any any difficulty life can throw at us. We know what real love is when we feel it, don't we? When we receive it, when we encounter it, we know it. 
We, we can experience, we can have two people in our lives saying and doing the same things, but we can discern it when it's really love, can't we? There is something that is far deeper, more real, more sustainable, unexplainable in one sense about love that is at the very heart and core of how we've been created. It's, it's more desired, I want to say, more desired than food and water itself. If we were to eat and drink for the rest of our lives and have never tasted love, would life be worth living? My answer is absolutely not. We are created to experience, to receive love. And in that place of experiencing and receiving love, we're called to give it away. Listen to 1 John 4, verses 7 through 11. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another for love, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God. And knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God. For God is love. It is incongruent with our reality that if we say that we know God and have experienced God, but we do not manifest or experience love, the scripture is telling us it's probably that we don't, one, have love and that we don't know God because they're inseparable. God showed how much He loved us by sending His one and only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life through Him. This is real love. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love one another. Real love. I think we've all, I would hope that in, our, in this room, most of us have a story about how Jesus Christ invaded your world and poured out what we just read about, this kind of love into your life. I, I, I believe that most of us in this room, if we were to stop and pause, and, and oh, I pray that it's not just a one-time experience, that most of us in this room have had multiple encounters and experiences with God where we have been paused, we've been stopped in our tracks, we've, we've been, we've been um, alerted to the fact that the realness of this world is not in the temporal that we live in, but that it is in the eternal. It's in the connection with the living God who's created everything, who was before and is and will be forever, and we are captured by who He is. And we're captured by the reality that He considers us somebody to be known. And that He considers us somebody to be loved, to be forgiven, to be pursued, to be all the things that we started off this message talking about, and we'll talk about more later. I I believe that in this room, many of us have experienced that kind of love. May it be awakened in us again this morning. And if you have not, if you've been listening to me talk for the last 10 minutes, and you're like, what in the world is this man talking about? Then I want to say to you, you're in the right place. Because God, if you allow him, is about to rock your world. He is about to reveal himself to you because he's, he is a, a revealing God. And he does not want you or I to continue to live in this conveyor belt of worldly love 
that's centered around aspects of love that are partially true, but most of the, mostly not true because they're centered around a selfish love. A, a love that says, what can you do for me? What are you going to do for me now? But God, God is shaking our lives with a love, yes, that is concerned about us, but not, that does not end in us. It doesn't flow into a, 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 a dead-end pool. It's not blocked. It's not stagnant. It's not still. He's pouring love out into our lives to be a conduit of love to other people. And in that context, this unashamedly gracious, overflowing, forgiving, loyal, let's continue to put words on it as we continue to talk today. This love that's flowing has a life that pours out of us and continues to be filling and pouring and filling and pouring our whole life. This is what God is about. When we experience, when somebody experiences this kind of love for the first time, they might say this phrase in their hearts towards God. Are you for real? Is this for real? Can I know this kind of security and this kind of peace and this kind of hope for real? And the answer is, echoing back from heaven, yes, I am for real. I am for real love. I am for real relationships. I am for real, not superficial. I am for service, not self-serving. I am not explo- ex- I'm not exploiting you. I'm not temporary. I'm for real. I'm here permanently pursuing you in your life for eternity. The reality is, is that oftentimes we don't get, go there. Why? Because we fear. We fear loss. We fear rejection. We fear failure. We feel fear unforgiveness. We fear pain. We're angry. We're impatient. We have pride. We're selfish. We put up so many walls that keep us from tasting and experiencing the love that God has for us and the love He wants to share through us for others. And that's why He sent His Son. That's why Jesus came. The lack of real love in this world that God saw was filled up to overflowing by the real love that came through Jesus on the cross. Amen? He's for real. He's for real right now. He's for you. He's for me. He's for the church. He's for the world outside the church. He's for everybody who will listen. I am alive. My love is real, and I want to love you. Listen to how John 13 says it, and John 15 says this. It's all throughout the the New Testament, but John 13, 34 says this. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. New. A new command. We, we know that the command had already been with the disciples before this, that they were to love the Lord God with all their heart, their soul, their mind. They were to love God, the one true God. And they'd even heard him talk about loving each other. But I believe that what he's saying here, he's, he's sitting with his disciples right, right before he's about to be carried off and taken in prison and then beaten and then to the cross. This is the last time he will talk with his, his disciples before he dies. He has just washed their feet. 
And then he says, I've given you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. The God of the universe humbling, uh, humbling himself to wash their feet and for, foreshadowing the event that was to come in, a couple of, in, in the next day where he would be pierced, beaten, and killed on a cross. He says to his disciples, I want you to love in this way as I have loved you. But he's not just saying it as an act to follow. This is one of the most important things that I can share with you now and throughout this whole series. If we are going to love and have real relationships, there's absolutely no way that we can love without the supernatural power of Jesus Christ. If we try to love in our own strength, and there's plenty of millions of people in the whole, it's not that people in the world don't want to love, but we cannot love the way that we just described it in its fullness from the, from the inside out, from motivations that are pure and, and um, agape-oriented from God and that are sustaining and that are for our life and that are persevering and that are all of these ways in which God defines love. We cannot do it unless we have been loved first. And not just loved in a moment in time where we are saved, but we need to be continually filled and aware and empowered by the Spirit of God to love. But oh, when we are, what kind of love can we pour out? A love that this world does not normally see. So different. What did it say there? Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. If that kind of love fills us up, and is living itself out through our lives, people should and will take notice. I shared this a couple of weeks ago, but just the, the story of those who are coming in contact with our, our, our foster families in our community, and one of the phrases them, them saying, which is, how can they love like this? How can they love? It's one thing to love your family or your friends, but how can you love people kids that, you, that, are, that are strangers and in love their families who are even more strangers and even more of the problem, more of the, the cause of the problem that they find themselves in. How can we love all of those people with a genuine love that says, we want the best for you and we want you to be reunited with your kids and we want you to be free from addiction and we want you children to have homes that are, it's unbelievable. And where does it, and we, and, and these families are saying, we have kids and we're going to open up our home for more kids and we're going to sacrifice. What kind of love is this? It's the kind of love that when doctors and nurses and families and, and, and extended families and workers see it, they're like, this is for real. This is for real. The church should be for real. The church should be for, it should be a common phrase in people's lives around you that they're looking at you like they're looking at some strange alien. Are you for real? You got five eyes. You're bizarre, but you're intriguing. It should be obvious in the church, but it isn't. It should shock the world, but rarely does the world see it in us. If we, the children of God, of pure love, don't embody a love that looks different than the world, then how will those lost in unbelief and sin ever know or desire 
true love in Christ. If the world hates, we should love. If the world holds grudges, we should forgive. If the world lies and flatters and hides, we tell the truth. We encourage. We choose vulnerability. If the world is puffed up and proud and self-seeking, we humbly serve, not caring that we get the credit. If the world slanders and falsely accuses and rushes to judgment, we show mercy. We show kindness. We show patience in our responses. If the world gives up, if the world divorces, if the world prostitutes its love, we remain faithful. And when we love in those ways, love never fails and the world takes notice. 1 Corinthians 13, Paul says it this way. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. It never loses faith. It always is hopeful and endures through every circumstances. In the NIV study Bible, the definition of love, it talks about this. It says the Greek word agape found here in this passage indicates a selfless concern for the welfare of others that is not called forth by any quality of lovableness in the person loved but is the product of a will to love in obedience to God's command. And I would say with another comma, un, by the power of God's love. Not just in obedience to its, His command, but with His love empowered within us. It's like Christ's love manifested on the cross. Most of the time in our life groups, we are actually, in our life group, we are looking back at the message that was just preached. But since we had a snowstorm last week, there was no message. So when my life group showed up this week, I said, well, guess what? We're going to actually have a life group about the message to come. And lucky you, you have the person who's preaching it. So I used my notes on my life group this week, and we went through these passages of Scripture. But before we did, we had one of our life group members share a story about how she had been serving and caring for her elderly neighbor who was dying. And how it had it kind of um, uh, interrupted her life and changed the pattern of the way that she would live her life. And for the, for the last year, most of her time had been spent just sitting with this woman who was dying and considering what this woman needed to be filled with joy. So she found that because of this woman's, the way that this woman was sick, that bright colors brought joy to her, so she would dress up in bright colors when she visited her. She found her favorite music, the songs that she liked to listen to, and she would play them for her. When, when this woman would miss, the food wouldn't get into her mouth and it would dribble down her shirt, she would laugh and say, well, that happens to me too. Or, you know, and she, would, she would dribble food down her shirt. She was doing whatever she could do to love this woman. She wasn't putting love.jesus on the end of it. She wasn't declaring that every act that she was doing, I'm doing this because of Jesus. She was just loving. She was loving. And at the end, the end of the story is, is that this, the life of Christ started to come out. The, the words and the testimony of Jesus started coming out in the last few days. This woman passed away and she was able to be at her funeral and be around her family. And the testimony of her love for, her, for this woman was spread to those who knew her. And she was able to share the motivation of her love. 
But her love was based not on what she was getting in return. Her love was based on the fact that God's love was in her. And God's love was in her so much that when she saw this woman, she thought, how could I not do anything but love her? And if I'm going to love her, I'm going to love her the way that I would want to be loved. My wife was sharing with me the story of, uh, of a, a woman whose sibling is, is, is in cancer, is going through cancer, and there, there's, there's, there's not a, there's not a, the relationship is not as great as it could be, but her love for her, her uh, sibling is such that she is going to cancer uh, help groups, not as one who has cancer, but as one who wants to understand what her sibling is going through so that she can love him. Why? Because the love of Christ is in her and trying to get out through her to her, her sibling. It is what Paul talks about, this kind of love that we are looking for in Ephesians 3 when he says, and may, the power, may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep is his love. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life, the fullness of power that comes from God. We have a continued source of life and love from God if we receive it, if we seek Him, if we allow Him to love us in this way. So for the next few weeks, we're going to center ourselves on this love. We're going to look at Philippians These aspects, I believe, I'm sorry, not Philippians, um, 1 Corinthians 13, these aspects of the love of God that Paul describes, he also describes it, um, a a different aspect of this relational love in Colossians, and we'll look at these two passages of Scripture, and we will begin to center in on some themes of his love, like real kindness, gentleness, and patience. What does it look like for us to be kind and gentle, impatient in a world that is rude, judgmental, and divisive. What does it look like? For, would that be refreshing? And not only what does it look like out here, but what would it look like in here? How many of you know that the hardest place for us to love sometimes is the, in the place where people really know us? Partly it's because they really know us. And partly it is because we take each other for granted. And we, we, for some reason, think it's okay to let some, down some kind of wall of love that we put on for other people. And I want to question whether or not that love is really real for other people if we can't dis- demonstrate it to those who are part of the body of Christ. Why can't we love each other better? Why do we rush to judgment in this room? assuming the motives of somebody when they say something that we are quick to say, well, I know exactly what they're doing or I know exactly what they didn't do. Why wouldn't we extend more grace to our family than anybody else? Yet we do it. Why wouldn't we choose to forgive in this room knowing that the the common denominator of our lives in this room is Jesus Christ who first forgave us? Anybody read the parables? One of the par- you know, there's a few parables. There's one about a guy who got forgiven a big debt, huge debt, and the next thing you know, he's exacting with all of his energy a small debt from somebody he's not paying him back, and then the master comes back. The story doesn't end well. 
But we do it. We're like, oh, Jesus, thank you so much for forgiving me. We cry tears. We're impacted by his love, and it's awesome, and we receive, and it's great. And then in the next breath, we hold somebody to the letter of the law until they do what they should do for us. And when they repent, we look at them like, are you really repenting? Lord, forgive us. I'm, I'm really passionate about it because I, can, I, know how, I know how this works in my own life. I am these things. Lord, forgive me. And how is it that we give up so easily on one another? If Jesus says that He is faithful to us even when we are faithless, why are we so quick to give up on the church? Why are we so quick to give up on one another and say, you know what, I don't think I can trust you or I can believe in you anymore. Yes, you can. Jesus does for you. If Jesus does it for us, even as hard as it is, we can do it for one another. Back to our life group. We're reading this passage of Scripture. I just want to call a spade a spade. We're reading this passage of Scripture. We're going through all this list and somebody in the room says, which was, he was speaking for all of us, this is really hard. I don't think I can do this. As a matter of fact, I'm starting to feel condemned. (laughs) I can't live this thing out. And then right along with that, he said, and it was very insightful, he said, but I know that God can. It just makes us depend on God more. When we see this list, or when I'm saying these things, and you're feeling the ping of regret, like or the ping of conviction, like, oh, I'm like that, oh... Don't run from that conviction. Let the the healer, let the physician come to your heart and your life and do some surgery on you. And say, you know what? Yeah, you're not really good at forgiving people, but I can help you with that. You know what? Yeah, you are pretty judgmental and you really do kind of have a higher standard for everybody else than you do for yourself. I can work on that. Whatever that aspect of conviction, don't let it pull you away from God. But be vulnerable. Remember that that environment of trust? Where is the most trusting environment in the world? At the throne of, at the foot of Jesus. It says in Hebrews that the wall of separation was torn down by Christ when he died on the cross. The veil was ripped. And the Holy of Holies was given access to you and me. And it says that we can come, we can boldly come to him. It says, the scripture says not just come, but it says, come with confidence. There is nobody in this holy of holies that's saying you should not be in here. There is a sign on the door, neon lights, open for business. Come on in. I want you in here. I know you're a scoundrel. I know that you're faithless. But I created you. And I love you. And I died for you. And I want to defeat Satan in your life. And I want, to, I, want to, I want to put you up on display as somebody who had no ability to save themselves. And I want people to say, did it, done it, redeemed, set free, acting differently, empowered by the love of God, supernaturally overwhelming, awesome. That's you. Anybody who went, I don't know who he's talking about. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about you. So we are going to talk about what it looks like to have real love. I hope we step on every one of your toes in here for the next few weeks. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. If you don't get your toes stepped on, then that means that you're not living. But when God steps on our toes, 
He heals them all at the same time. It's an unbelievable thing. Ouch! Yeah! So let him do it. Amen? Stand up with me. Lord Jesus, we need your love. We need your love. So this morning, we have a few minutes here. I want you to posture yourself in whatever way you need to do to acknowledge that the real love is the love that first comes from God and that fills you in such a way that you can love other people. I don't want you even to be thinking about how you need to love other people right now. We're going to get into that for the next few weeks. We're going to talk about that. But right now, and in every service for the next few weeks, we're going to emphasize this. You cannot love unless you you are receiving the love of God. So right now, I want you to receive that unbelievable, multifaceted love of God for your own life. Right? So if you are feeling excluded, you're feeling rejected, you're feeling overlooked, you're feeling insignificant or not important, I want you to know that the king of the universe is looking at you right now. And he loves you. And I want you to receive that. So if that's hard for you to receive, in in just this next moment, I'm going to ask that you either come forward or you kneel down or whatever you need to do, but I want you to receive that love from God. If you're in this room, in the moment I started talking about love, you started thinking about your sin. You started thinking about how you have failed yourself, somebody else, and God. Lucky you. God's a God of forgiveness this morning. Doesn't mean that you whitewash or, or dismiss the seriousness of your sin. I'm not minimizing your whatever's happened. But the quickest way to healing and restoration and freedom for you is to come to Jesus and let him forgive you and heal you. And let him lead you on that path of restoration. If that's you, I want you to receive his love today. His love is forgiveness. I want you to receive it. If you have been carrying some shame, you've been carrying some insecurity, you've been carrying some fear, and it's just going on circles in your mind, you can't get out of your mind, I want you to talk to God today about it. And it might be on this one that you need to talk to somebody else. You need to get it out and trust that somebody else can listen with you, with God, so that you can begin to process the truth of who you are in Jesus.